It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chief. Here's your host, Matt Derry. All right, everybody, welcome in. It is another edition of Wired, the Pistons podcast, brought to you by Jeep, as John Mason said. My name is Matt Derry, and welcome in, everybody, for another week as we talk Pistons basketball podcast style here on Pistons.com and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Wired. Coming up on the program today, it is the All-Star Break edition, 26 games remaining for the Pistons, who sit at 26-30 and 30 and currently tied for the 8th spot in the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat. We'll be joined by Pistons bad boy and legend, world champion, and now Pistons radio analyst Rick Mahorn. As George Blaha would call him, Rockin' Rick Mahorn. I get about 15 different nicknames for the big fella. But we'll have Ricky on in a little bit to talk about the Pistons, the state of the team, and what he sees from this club going forward here with the All-Star break right now in our sights. Again, All-Star break now, where as we record this podcast, the Pistons finish up the last seven games. Going back to January 31st, they played seven games. They finished up 5-2. and two. And you looked at the schedule, and you saw some very winnable games there with Dallas with all the injuries, uh, a couple of games against the Knicks, Washington's depleted, even a game on Wednesday night at Boston that you figured with Kyrie Irving and Terry Rozier out, the Pistons would have a good chance at. But regardless, the team had set a goal before that Dallas game to finish that seven-game stretch before the All-Star game at 5-2, and two, and that's exactly what the team did. And the biggest reason, and we'll ask Rick this as well, but one of the biggest things I saw in this last seven-game stretch, including after the trade deadline, was a resurgence of sorts for Andre Drummond. You look down the list here, and in those seven games, Andre Drummond led the Pistons in scoring four out of the seven games, including a 24-20 and game against Dallas, a 27-12 and game against a very good Denver team, a 29-20 and game against the Knicks, a 32-17 and rebound performance against Washington, and last night another 17-rebound performance for Drummond, or you should say Wednesday night, in the loss in Boston. You're starting to see a motivated Andre Drummond and a guy that over the last few weeks has put forth better effort. And really, that's been the biggest issue in question with the big guy since he's been in the league. Remember when he was drafted by Joe Dumars and everybody said doesn't have a great motor. And he said, well, he's 18, 19 years old. It'll develop. He made an all-star team a few years ago. He had that big game in the Rising Stars game, and you figured Andre was going to take off. And statistically, he has. But if he's playing at an all-star level, which he was not named to the team this year, Nikola Vucevic uh, from uh, the Magic kind of uh, beat Andre out in that. But I think that, that, that snub has motivated him a little bit. He's finishing better around the rim. He's getting some more touches like we talked about a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast with Tim McCormick, and he's playing much better. So watch out for Andre here and, and how well he has played as of late. Um, and look, Pistons right now have said it. Ed Stefanski talked about it this week. The goal was to make the playoffs, is to make the playoffs. That's what ownership wants. That's what this playoff, uh, that's what this, this, this group wants, led by Blake Griffin. Um, and, and you look at it right now, the Pistons are two and a half games behind Brooklyn for six. The Nets are playing very good basketball after a triple overtime win on Wednesday. You've got to figure Brooklyn's a lock to get in, especially now that they have Karis Levert back. But seven, eight, nine, ten are wide open. Of course, only eight teams make it. Pistons are a game back of Charlotte for seven. Pistons are at eight right now at 26-30, and 30, tied with Miami, who's also at 26-30. and 30. And here come the Orlando Magic winners of four in a row. They're just a game back of Detroit. 
and two games back of Charlotte at 26 and 32, but they have two games in hand, I guess, if you want to use a hockey term there, we might as well uh, do that. So basically you've got four teams for two spots, Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, and Orlando. I'm not going to count Washington, even though they're two games back of Orlando and three back of the Pistons. Because the Wizards, without you know John Wall and, and, and making the trades that they made with Otto Porter, I don't think the Wizards are considered a playoff team. When the Pistons come back from the All-Star break, for the first five games here, with 26 to play on the road, but three of those four very, very winnable. Not to say they can't beat San Antonio, but at Atlanta, at Miami, at Cleveland, and sprinkled in there a very tough game against a very good Indiana Pacers team. So we'll, we'll see where this thing goes uh, with the Pistons. But again, 26 games to go, and currently right now, if the season were to end today, it would be Detroit at Milwaukee in round one of the playoffs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a reunion of sorts for, for me here on Wired. Let's bring in Pistons radio analyst, Pistons legend, and my main man, Rick Mahorn, to the microphone. What's up, Rick? Nothing much there, Diesel. You know you're my main man, too, so I, I had to do it. You, you force me, you twist my arm, but I, I think I, I was going to do it for you. <laughs> do you miss me? I, I miss you, man. No, I don't miss you. I, I keep in contact with you. As long as I keep in contact with you, I'm not missing you. You're around. I know where you are. Yeah, but but I never I never see anymore. We don't hang out. Well, it's not a bromance, son. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are at the All-Star break. Rick, less than 30 games left. Pistons tied for the eighth spot in the eighth seed. You're at every game. What do you see? What do you like? What don't you like? Well, since, uh, you know, the begin when uh, before the trades, there's a lot of inconsistencies. And then you, all of a sudden you'd be up at, at a large amount, but you never could put the pedal, pedal to the metal where the guys were really, you know, finishing off the games. I think the addition of, uh, you know, Thon Maker and Wayne Ellington and, and Zeve, they do a good job of, opening up the court for Blake Griffin. He's been having an all-star year. And now you have Andre Drummond, who's kicked it into another gear where he's averaging like 20 and 18 rebounds in the past five games. When you talk about the the, the state of the team, and you, it starts with Blake Griffin, certainly Rick, and, and obviously today's game has changed so much, yet the Pistons kind of are playing an older style. Is that something that could hurt them, or do you think it could help them? Well, the thing is, you know, the consistency of outside shooting, you know, Reggie Jackson starting to be, you know, the Reggie Jackson that everybody saw when he got here. So as they move forward, uh, you know, with these last 26 games after All-Star break, you got to really concentrate and hone in on what you want to do. You got 15 away games and you got 11 home. So if you take care of business at home, you put yourself in a, in, in a great position and you try to win half your games on the road, you really give yourself. So if you go uh, 11 home games uh, and half your games on the road, eight or seven, you got 19 wins right there and you, you get about a 45, uh, 40, 46 uh, win season. It all starts with Blake, like we talked about before, but him handling the ball as much as he has and Dwayne Casey kind of putting him at that point forward spot. How would you have handled that playing against him? No, I mean, it's, it's totally different, uh, Diesel. You know, you can't necessarily, the offense has the advantage because, uh, you know, they you, they don't want to infringe it, but it opens up the game. People want to see more threes and, and, you know, more up and down the court. Physical style play usually comes in when it's playoffs. I mean, watching the football, the Super Bowl this year, 
I enjoyed it, but my son looked at it and said, man, they didn't even score anything. And I'm sitting there going, like, isn't the main objective is to outscore your opponent and play the game in, in a, you know, in a statistical type or a maybe one move can change the complexion of the game? And that's where, you know, a lot of people are missing it because they want to see more threes and dunks. But, you know, me being the old school, uh, uh, not being that player that, kind of grumbler i'm not grumbling about anything but i mean it's it's to the offensive offense's advantage because blake griffin is such a great offensive player so he's going to get the benefit of the doubt and everything that he when he's attacking the basket pistons radio analyst and pistons legend rick mahorn with me here on wired brought to you by jeep are you surprised ricky at how how good of a passer blake has become no, I'm not surprised at that because, you know, his game has started to evolve. I remember when he couldn't shoot outside and all it was was all about power. Now he's hitting threes and, and he's making great moves to the basket. But my thing is when he knows that the double team is coming, he's got the wherewithal to make that pass to a guy who is wide open because now you got the defenses two on him. Somebody's got to be open, but you got to knock down that shot in order for it to be successful. You're at all the games and you're on the road with these guys. What's his leadership meant to this team? Which obviously, and you know this, over the last few years, there's always been questions about uh, immaturity and is there enough locker room leaders? There's no doubt he's he's had a nice influence on some of these guys, right? Yes, he has. He's had a great influence on these guys. Understanding that, you know, this is a guy that's you know a per, uh, perimeter uh, uh, all star every year. And you have to look at it saying, okay, we got to bring our A game as well. So with that, you know, with that being said, these guys have really stepped it up. His leadership, he leads by example. You know, he'll, he'll say what's on his mind. And that, you know, that's, that's refreshing at some times because it was one game in particular. We, we, uh, the Pistons won and it was against a New Orleans team, but it was more like, it was like, we'll take the win, but you know, we don't want to, you know, hide our weaknesses. We need to improve our weaknesses to be better. And I had to look at him and say, you know, that was a great uh, line once you got that, uh, someone asked, asked that question to him. And that was the night, too, when Reggie Jackson was kind of clowning around. And <laughs> the t- yeah, but, you know, that's they do that all the time. It's just one time it just looked like it magnified because, you know, a lot of times guys be talking even in the – at the Little Caesars Arena, you know, they're showering with water. You know, that's, I mean, that's just been somewhat of a ritual. But now it's like, uh, okay, we have to do to be, we have to be professional. And, you know, coming from uh, the Clippers and knowing that you have a guy like Blake Griffin, you got to bring your A game. Did you ever have to do that and police that when you played? Like some guys kind of messing around. I mean, here's Blake on TV with Mickey York that night, like you talked about. And here's Reggie kind of clowning around. And Reggie really didn't know what Blake was saying. Uh, did, you, did you ever have to do that with guys, kind of tell them, hey, look, you know, we, we barely beat a bad team tonight. Uh, quit messing around. No, the thing was, you know, Diesel, you're trying to – you know, I had uh, we had guys that were accountable with Isaiah, myself, uh, Bill Lambeer, uh, you know, Vinnie Johnson, Buddha, and, and John, you know, we had some maturity to a degree. You know, veterans were – uh, we were accountable for each other. So if somebody said something one way, or we, we said, oh, man, don't say that no more. That's not how you do it. You remember the incident that happened with Isaiah and uh, Dennis Rodman about if when Larry Bird, he said if he was black, would he be getting yeah. this kind of fame and fortune? I mean, that's just, you know, you, you go 
okay, this, but it's now, you got to understand, it's not as polarized as it was back then, but the way you have social media now where it's instantaneous news. Rick Mahorn with me, Pistons at uh, 26 and 30 here at the All-Star break, uh, sitting in that eight seed. You know, Rick, there's always that talk about, all right, uh, you, know, you, you never, you know, tanking, not tanking, how, how people go about their business. And this has been an organization that's always believed in trying to win at all costs. Uh, you look at what Zion Williamson brings to the table. You look at the possibilities of the future. Where do you stand on that issue? I stand that you have to, you, you get what you get. And my thing is, if you tank and to get some, you know, uh, uh, you know, extra ping pong balls, I think you're doing a disservice to your fans because your fans are the ones that come in and fill those seats. And, you know, you, you try to posture yourself to do that. If it's meant for you to have Zion Williams, Williamson, then, okay, then you, you get them because, you know, it's meant for you to have it. I got to, you know, you look at it where at one time the Pistons had, you know, the second pick in the draft and they weren't, you know, they were a good team. And you go like, it was just the way the ball bounced. And that's what you have to deal with. Not everybody's going to get the first pick in the draft, but you know, you have to be, uh, as, uh, as management, you have to look at, okay, what's that next piece of the puzzle that can make our team better? And that's every day by looking maybe at, uh, draft maybe a trade or maybe picking up someone in free agency and the discussion too rick is is getting to the playoffs and getting some experience for some of these guys in 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 games like you said earlier playoff games are a lot different than regular season what would that mean i guess to andre and reggie jackson and some of these guys uh, even if they got there and lost in let's say five to milwaukee or something well see the thing is you have to learn from your previous errors you know they were they, we were there uh, against cleveland and you lost 4-0, and you wait for the next year to come back and say, you know, we're we're not satisfied. And the next year we came back, and it was like a, a show of horrors. <laughs> so it's like you can get there, but remember, 16 teams get there, eight in each conference, and you got to make sure that you it's worth your while. A lot of times you get there and you don't learn, and that's where you find the teams that you say next year when, it, when it's time to come. We have to play better. We've been to the playoffs, and they're predicting us to win 50 games, and that's how you have to approach it as a professional. And that's the thing. Treat this as a professional business, and you'll be successful. How professional, speaking of using your word, is Dwayne Casey? What's it like being around him every day? Oh, boy, can't say enough. Class guy. I've known Casey since I came in the league. I mean, we're at the same age, but it's, it's it's nice to see how he's evolved as a calm and a cool demeanor coach, and also trying to encourage the guys to do better. After you make a mistake, it's not yelling and screaming. It's just let's let's not make that mistake again. He he tries to hold you and the team accountable. It's just guys got to you know when when you have a coach like that that's not saying laid back. Chuck Bailey to me was one of those coaches where. Uh, Daddy Rich, you go like, okay, I know I made a mistake, but he's not going to hold it against you. What do you think of Thon Makers so far? I know the other night, a uh, lot of blood. The guy's everywhere on the court and <laughs> is very long, but uh, there, there's some potential there. We may look back on this and that pickup in a couple of years and say that was a complete steal by Ed Stefanski. The thing is, you got to he's got to get playing time, and and, and with Milwaukee, you know, as they became uh, a better team. They really didn't have use for him. So hopefully that he will turn into the player, uh, that first-round pick that 
you know, you trade for a guy with that kind of length. And you can't, one thing that I always said, you can't, you, you can't have height. And if you got a guy that's that long and able and that agile, only can help you in, in situations. You can play him at the, the the four and the five. That makes you help, and he opens up the court and gives you that defensive uh, that that defensive wingspan that a lot of teams are using. Milwaukee was long across the board, and it just felt like they were getting longer as they came off the bench. But when you look at Milwaukee, he's got the best record in the NBA, and they say, okay, well, we can see if we can find some assets if we can trade him for your assets. You know, we've never, it's never been this way in Detroit. I guess maybe the closest thing was Isaiah Grant Hill when he was on the team and kind of the, the, the triple double guy. But you look at Milwaukee, just using your example here, they've went, they're up, they're, they've won 43 games, like you said. And it's Giannis. And if you asked anybody, you would go down Woodward and ask anybody to name four bucks, nobody could do it. How important is it just to get that one guy or are the Pistons kind of trying to always build it the same way where it's more of a team situation? What works now, Rick? The thing is, it's a team. Giannis can't win the, win those games by himself. I mean, you got to look at guys like Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, guys like uh, uh, Matthew uh, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, their first round pick, well, their second round pick to win the Rookie of the Year with some consistency. Then you look at guys like. Uh, uh, coming off the bench like Ilya Sova, who was a former Bucks and Pistons and, and so on, but he's back there in a situation that get, that can be, benefit that team. So you, you when you when you look at guys uh, and saying it's just one person, they ain't gonna win these games with one person. They're not like he's James Harden where he's got to have the ball ninety percent of the time. He's able to move when he double team and being smart enough as a basketball player to make the right passes at the right time. As an old school guy, when you watch the Rockets play, or do you get sick to your stomach, stomach sometimes watching James Harden, or do you love it? I, I can't, I can't watch uh, James Harden. It's like watching a pickup game outside and, and seeing like, some one guy got the ball in his hands the whole time and nobody else is there. I, I mean, could that win a championship? No, you can't. You, it's like Isaiah couldn't win a championship without having a Joe Dumars and myself and, and, and Bill Lambeer and Mark Aguirre. He couldn't win a championship without, you know, like that magic and bird. They're not going to win it by, they're not going to win it by themselves. You got to have pieces that are committed to winning with you. I love that take, Rick. I, I was thinking about that. I was actually watching a couple of weeks ago and thought of you because they somebody brought up one of the one of the national guys when Harden drove down the lane. Oh, you know he wouldn't get this kind of space if a Rick Mahorn was there. The game has changed so much, like you said, Rick, that you can't touch anybody anymore. But you're right. Watching him some nights, if you're a guy like Eric Gordon, you're just standing there in the corner the whole night. Yeah, I mean, was to me, I thought it was more free flowing. I like the old four Pistons when you're playing against a team uh, with Kobe Bryant and winning that championship against Shaquille O'Neal. One guy ain't gonna win, you know. One guy ain't gonna win you a championship. You need five guys. You need that team where you had the pit bulls coming off with Lindsey Hunter and Mike James coming off the bench and Eldon Campbell and and Mimic O'Core. Those guys. Those little, you know, you don't, people don't recognize those guys as much as they see a Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups or Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace. But, you know, Tayshawn Prince was very important. Uh, guys like Darvin Ham. And then you look on my, on our team, you look at like the Vinnie Johnsons, the, and, and the James Edwards, the Buddhas and, and, and John Sallies and Dennis Robbins. Those guys, you know, helped us and catapulted us being, and a lot of times in small, markets we look diesel we look at like the anthony davis situation 
it's hard to get, you know, uh, attract free agency, but it's, it's being very tactical in how you draft and finding guys that can fit a system that are willing to be in, in the area. We interviewed Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah Thomas didn't even want to get drafted by Detroit. He said, I'm not coming, whatever, but Jack McCluskey drafted him, and then he built around them. That's the thing. Build around your superstars, and that helps you out. Final thing for Rick Mahorn, of course, Pistons legend. Uh, hear him on Sirius XM and also all the Pistons games on the radio with, with our man Mark Champion. All right, last thing. So, you know, if you're Dell Demps and you're the GM, and I know you know him and you've been around this league so long, I mean, what do you do with Anthony Davis? I love the fact that he didn't give him up to the Lakers yet. Uh, what do you think about this whole thing? You know, I really, you know, so it's not, you know, I talk about it. I really don't care because, you know, he's still. You, he's still on your roster. You do what you what's going to help benefit your team. That's what it's you know. It's all about the team. If if you have a guy where now you can say, well, I ain't going to sign. He, okay, so you're not going to sign. It doesn't mean you just up and trade him because he doesn't want to be there. Right now, you still have a whole year to try to figure it out. If you if you if you're um, Anthony Davis or Dale Dips, you got to try to figure it out. Maybe you can bring someone there and say, you know what, we're trying to build something there. But you know, to me, Dale Dempson and that organization kind of messed up when they got you know didn't want to resign Rondo and, and and also Boogie Cousins where Boogie got hurt and all of a sudden they had Miritich but now it's like okay it's a free a free for all i understand the business of basketball but if you're trying to build a winner you got to you know you know extend from what you did last year and help this guy Anthony Davis who you know plays uh who's an all-star a guy that plays his heart and guts out on the court he just want to play basketball this business and it's basketball and the business of basketball is not good for the NBA and his dad says, oh, my son's not going to go to Boston. It's like, wow. You got all that. That's what I'm saying. It's business and it's basketball. You know, when you when you approach this, I got left unprotected after we won the first championship. This business. If you felt that I was, you know, ex- expendable, then, you know, I can't sit there and say I want to be a piston for life. And all of a sudden I get traded. It's, it's, it's business, man. It's, you know, this is how they do their business. And right now they opened up Pandora's box. By letting these, you know, everybody's, like I said, social media, they go like, well, I don't want to be here no more. Poor, uh, Christoph Porzingis, he ain't there no more. Or you find uh, DeAndre Jordan signing right. with the Dallas Mavericks and then, you know, regretting that he signed with that and, and going back to the Clippers. And then, you know, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban said, okay, I'll, get, I'll sign you for a year. I wanted you, but I just traded you to New York. <laughs> it's business. Rick, great to catch up, brother. Always, my man, Diesel. There he is, Pistons legend on the radio side, Rick Mohorn, who joins Mark Champion for each and every game. Of course, on the flagship station in Detroit, 97 won the ticket, and the Pistons radio network. And I had uh, uh, the pleasure working with Rick, I think it was 10, 11 years, on Pistons broadcast. And boy, we had a blast uh, with the first team back in the day, with George, Joe Abramson, Albert Dale, the whole crew, and of course, Mark Champion, Rick Mahorn, even John Long, we had a blast, and it was a lot of fun doing pre and post all those years for the Pistons, including the 04 championship season. We're brought to you by Jeep here on Wired. We are with you each and every week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. Enjoy All-Star Weekend and a little bit of a break, as the Pistons won't be back until Friday night, February 22nd. 
as they've extended these all-star breaks a little bit longer than they used to. Uh, For some guys, they're going to have over a week off. Uh, But the Pistons will be back at it in Atlanta against uh, Trey Young uh, and the Hawks Friday, February 22nd. So next Friday at Atlanta at 7.30. Then they go to Miami for a back-to-back on Saturday, February 23rd. And it's the Heat, really, that is the Pistons' biggest competition for that eighth seed right now before Detroit returns home to Little Caesars Arena Monday night, February 25th, a 7 o'clock start against the Indiana Pacers. My name is Matt Derry, and we'll talk to you again next week right here on Wired, brought to you by... Jeep.